people said, Amen. In a few moments, I'll be reading from Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and then forwarding over to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, verse 27. So be on the lookout for those passages as we journey together this morning. Let's pause with prayer. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Back in 2012, after my stepfather died, we received some wonderful flower arrangements and in particular, a plant that we have in our home to this day. Sort of like a peace lily, like you see out in the narthex, except the leaves are variegated, a little lighter green color, but the same kind of flowers and things. So after a couple of years, we noticed that the plant wasn't doing as well, so we figured maybe it needed to be repotted into a larger container because we had never done that. So we bought a larger pot and after we took the plant out, we noticed that it had what's called root lock, where the root system was all intertwined in the shape of its container. Roots grown uh, in amongst one another. And that's why the plant hadn't thrived. So I trimmed the roots, separated them from each other, then put it into the larger container with some fresh soil, and it has done well. And in our family room to this day, as a reminder of our stepdad. The extra space that our plant needed to thrive is what we call margin, room for growth. The space enabled the roots to grow and for the plant to be beautiful. And we human beings are no different than the plant. If we don't have space in our lives, we will not grow to our potential either. In order to live into the plans that God has for us, we need to create margin. And that's what we've been talking about over the last several weeks. We've looked back to the beginning of history to reclaim the truth that God created us both with the need for and the gift of margin. We call this margin the gift of Sabbath. Rest for body, rest for mind, rest for our souls. God intended for creation to have a balance of work and rest. God created this balance, the life and lifestyle of Sabbath, as a gift of grace for all humanity and all of creation. Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, shows how God created Sabbath. I'll start at verse 31 of, of chapter 1 and lead into it. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. 
So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Jesus addressed the Sabbath to the Pharisees who had been persecuting him because of what he himself did on the Sabbath. And in verse 27 of Mark 2, he said, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Listen to the New Living Translation of that same verse. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of Sabbath. And now listen to Eugene Peterson's message paraphrase of that same verse. The Sabbath was made to serve us. We weren't made to serve the Sabbath. Much of the persecution Jesus experienced came from his approach to the Sabbath. To the Jewish religious experts like the Pharisees, the Sabbath had become a list of rules and prohibitions. To Jesus, however, Sabbath was a way of life, a lifestyle to love and rest and delight in God and to love and care for neighbor and to care for one's self. Jesus said that Sabbath was made for us. The Greek word that Jesus used points to creation, that God made the seventh day, created the Sabbath day, and gave it as a gift of rest. The Greek word is ginomai, which means to be made or fashioned or placed into existence. The same word is also used when Jesus performed miracles. In Genesis 2, verse 3, I believe that Jesus is pointing to the creation of the Sabbath on the seventh day of creation. The Pharisees had accused Jesus of violating this fourth commandment, which was to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy, found in Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. And Jesus was quick in his response to remind them that God created the Sabbath and it was to be received as a gift to be remembered and to be kept holy or sacred or set apart. Our problem, though, is that while God created for six days and created peace and rest for us to enjoy on the seventh day, most Christians in the West don't observe a true Sabbath. I believe we have a hard time getting a couple of hours of Sabbath, let alone a 24-hour period every week. We run right past it, if we're honest. While the fourth commandment tells us to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy, we function more like human doings rather than human beings. We struggle with the being part, but most of us are really good at the doing part. Richard Swenson is a medical doctor and has written a book called Margin, which I've used as a framework for some of the application in this message series. And he writes, seldom do you hear of our society described as well-rested. We are a tired generation. Our gears are stuck in overdrive and our lives are non-stop. We are active, busy, driven, fatigued, tired, exhausted, 
weary, burned out, anxious, often overloaded, and stressed. We have leisure. Some of you might say, Pastor, I've got, I have leisure time. We go on vacation. I play golf. We may have leisure, but we have little rest. We may have education and affluence and technology and leisure but, and lots of conveniences, but little rest. We need to restore Sabbath to our lives and to invite God to redeem the time. And these past several weeks, I hope, are a help in this journey. It's not something that's going to happen overnight, is it, choir? It's not. Remember earlier in the series I shared with you that one of my challenges is getting enough sleep. Usually I get five to five and a half hours of sleep, six if I'm really lucky. I like to get up early and run, and then uh, that brings for a long day. And I often don't go to bed until 1130, sometimes closer to midnight. So when I try to make this adjustment all at once and go to bed at 10 o'clock, when do I wake up? 3.30 in the morning. It doesn't happen in one day or one week. This is a journey. We have to start somewhere and set expectations that are realistic, not unrealistic. I believe that we need to allow our doing to flow from our being. In this last message in the series, I want to conclude with two major elements. The first is some of our Sabbath challenges, and then the second is a basic framework for Sabbath living. And I'll, uh, there's some notes in your bulletin that might uh, be a help to you for that. <clears throat> first, some of the challenges. Pete Scazzaro is a pastor in Brooklyn, New York, I'm sorry, Queens, New York, and has written several books including Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And he shares that there are several Sabbath challenges. One is that we are afraid when we stop and rest and simply be, that we might be afraid of what we find within us. For example, leaders, especially leaders, can't stop. We're often frightened of what we will see inside of ourselves when we slow down. There's something often deep within us that drives us to be so busy or to work so hard. Maybe it's the ego, he writes, or it could be the need to please others or the need to be in control of everything around us or the need to be liked. That's why so often on social media we're so concerned with how many likes we get because those feed some of the chemicals in our brain that um, make us feel joyful and happy. But those many likes are often just others clicking that. It's not a true reflection of someone's feelings. We may have some struggles with our self-image or our self-worth. Often we're so wrapped up in work that when we slow down from work, we don't know what to do. I come from a family of workaholics. My dad worked long hours, six days a week. His dad ran a hardware store and worked seven days a week. After Mass on Sunday morning, he went to the hardware store and worked all afternoon until 6 p.m., seven days a week, the entire career that he owned the hardware store. So my struggle is often finding ways to stop so that I can 
be present to my family and others. Maybe you have some of those same struggles. These things happen when we slow down. Knowing that they are realities helps us know that the struggles can be overcome when God gives us the grace and power to do so. Another challenge Schizero speaks of is that we can associate Sabbath with legalism or a dead past. You might reflect back on some of your younger years when Sabbath was to you all the stuff that you couldn't do on Sunday because the church said you couldn't. Maybe it was dancing or maybe it was going to a movie theater or maybe it was playing cards. You were not allowed to do those, so Sabbath has some negative connotations for you. Or it might also remind you of some of the things you couldn't purchase on Sunday. If you're from the South, you remember Blue Laws, a list of all of the things that you could not sell if you were a store owner or purchase if you were a consumer. Growing up in South Carolina, at least during my middle and high school years, in my high school years worked at Kroger, and there were things that we could not sell even in the mid-80s in South Carolina because of some of the Blue Laws. You might also think of a vengeful, wrathful God You heard a tinge of that in the passage from Deuteronomy that God said, I'm a jealous God and I want you all to myself. I don't want you worshiping other gods. I don't want you to uh, engage in pagan activities. And God uh, gave some serious consequences to the people of Israel. Now, thankfully, we are under grace, under the love, grace of Jesus Christ, and we don't have uh, that particular passage uh, that can keep us from enjoying Sabbath as a gift as Jesus describes it. But sometimes we go back to those places as a way to avoid the introspection that happens when we are still. And then the third thing that Schizero says is that we often lose sight of our true identity or our core identity How many of you have met somebody for the first time? You don't have to raise a hand, rhetorical question. But how many of you have met somebody for the first time, and right after you meet them, you say, well, what do you do for a living? And you start talking about work. Because we are so wrapped up in our work as our identity in the Western world. I'm Bob Lee, and I'm a pastor. What do you do for a living? How would it be if our introductions were reframed And we were able to talk about some of the things that we enjoy in life or what we do for a hobby or our family or our friends or where we're from, those kinds of things. Schizero says that, yes, work is part of who we are, but work is not who we are. We are, first of all, human beings, he writes, not human doings. Schizero says, what then will motivate us to reimagine, reprioritize, and rearrange our lives around Sabbath? And the answer lies, he argues, in capturing a biblical vision of Sabbath as a beautiful diamond whose many facets reflect the light and beauty of life on earth in relationship to the living God. Loving God, loving our neighbor as ourselves. Here's a framework that might be a help. 
And part of this comes from an author named Judy Shulevitz, who wrote a book called Bring Back the Sabbath. There's a really good article in the New York Times some years ago, one of you shared with me, that had too much good information not to share back with you all. The first part is preparation. And these things are in your notes. You can jot down whatever works for you in that section. But I've provided all four of these elements of the framework for you. Uh, Shulevitz says that we've got to prepare for Sabbath. And she goes and quotes the Cat in the Hat book where the cat in the hat said, it is fun to have fun, but you have to know how. It's wonderful to have Sabbath, but we have to prepare for it. She quotes, you're right, she quotes another scholar, only a Sabbath that you have to work for will appear worth keeping. So there's some work involved, some advanced preparation involved in Sabbath. When we went to Toronto back in late July, we had to get passports a long time ago. We had to make travel arrangements. We had to reserve an Airbnb in Toronto. We planned out our our trip so that we could get there and back. We looked at the different things that we could do while we were there visiting Melanie's brother and his family and so forth. So when you and I travel, we know how to prepare When I run a a half marathon, the night before, I lay out all of my clothes, my shoes, my bib for my shirt, and everything so that that morning I'm ready to run. And for worship, every night when I uh, finish looking over my message on Saturday evening, I put everything, my Bible and my devotional material, my journal, and all of that in in my chair so that the next morning on Sunday... I am ready to get up, and I don't have to do all of that. I've done some preparation. Sabbath takes preparation. You and I have to think about that upcoming weekend and how we might remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. It may not be 24 hours for us yet. We may not be there. It may be just a few hours, and we're going to reserve that time, and it's going to take some advanced preparation. Some people will light a candle on the evening of that Sabbath as a remembrance of the Lord who created light and called it good. We also need to stop. I enjoy going to Isabella's softball games because it's about a two-hour period of time, two, two and a half hours, that I can sit there uninterrupted and watch the game and enjoy being around Melanie and our friends watching the softball and cheering Isabella on. I don't really worry about anything else when I'm at the ball field. It's a little mini Sabbath. Maybe there's something like that for you. But the Sabbath is to the weak what the line break is to the poetic language. It's a pause that forces us to return to what came before to find its meaning. When we're reading a psalm and we see that little word selah at the end of a a phrase, selah is a word that means pause. It's like a musical rest. We've talked about this. And it points us to go back to what we've just read to find meaning in it. That's what happens when we pause on Sabbath. We're able to remember what comes before. 
Why should God have considered it so important to stop, one writer states? Because God stopped to show us what we create becomes meaningful to us only when we stop creating it and start to think about why we did so in the first place. We prepare, we stop, and then as Scripture says, we remember. We remember the Sabbath day. We observe the Sabbath day and seek to keep it holy or set apart as the Lord has commanded us. And it also helps us to remember our former bondage and our redemption for the Israelites, remembering that they were enslaved in Egypt. Deuteronomy 5.15, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day, to remember. And when we look at the fourth commandment to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy, we see what detail it provides. There's also social justice built into Sabbath. It's not just for the elite or for a certain group, but rather for all. Listen, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son and daughter, nor your male and female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner living in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but God rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It's not just for certain people. It's for all. And I believe that in the, in the Sabbath, in Sabbath keeping, there's doing justice and righteousness and mercy. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Theirs will be the kingdom of heaven. Sabbath is more about is there's more to it than just ourselves. All of creation needs to be considered. And then we delight. The writer of Isaiah, the last uh, 58 chapter, that part of Isaiah, if you call the Sabbath a delight, you will find joy in the Lord. If we delight in the Sabbath, doing things that we enjoy, it will help us and sustain us in this life journey. You might say, Pastor, what, what are things that we can delight in? Maybe you like to do a certain sporting activity. Maybe you play a game with your friends. Maybe work a jigsaw puzzle. Maybe visit someone that you've been meaning to see, but you keep overlooking it like I've done in so many times. Or maybe some outdoor activities like hiking or maybe simply going out to have a meal together or with a friend, seeing a movie, ballroom dancing. I've never done that before, but some of you, that might be your thing. Listening to music, going to a museum or a cultural festival. There are lots of those in the RVA. Or maybe an outdoor concert will offer, enable you the opportunity to delight in the Sabbath. So we prepare. When we work for something, it's better. We stop, we remember, and we delight. I hope this framework will be like a new container for you as one of God's creatures. You can thrive. Because we are all made to experience the gift of Sabbath. 
Last week, one of our church members sent me an email, and it had a link to a oven, an oven at the Home Depot. And at first, I'm like, what's this about? Pastor Bob, you might be interested in this. Read below. He sent me the link to a Samsung oven at the Home Depot. The 5.9 cubic foot Samsung True Convection with illuminated knobs, freestanding electric range, offers blue LED illuminated knobs, and a powerful, flexible cooktop. This allows you to cook faster with five specialized elements, including a dual and triple ring element. True convection distributes heat throughout the oven faster and more evenly, saving more time than traditional ovens. What's this have to do with the Sabbath, I think? And then I read the specifications. A large capacity, steam assist, express boil, touch controls, believe it or not, Wi-Fi. Go figure. On and on, and then down at the very bottom of the list, the last bullet point, literally, truthfully, this is what it says. Comes with Sabbath mode. Appliance manufacturers are now designing appliances such as ovens and others with Sabbath mode function. And this enables people who really want to prepare for Sabbath to cook their meals ahead of time, place them in the oven, and then the oven will not cycle off like they mostly do to prevent a fire or whatever. And this enables the meal to be prepared without a person having to labor over the kitchen. And then when it's time to eat this delicious Sabbath meal, it is all ready. I believe you and I were designed with Sabbath in mind. Jesus said it's a gift. We were made to work and rest. We were made to love God and others. We were made to delight in the Lord and to experience the fullness of all God desires. So God sanctified time and gave it to us as a grace gift, and it is called Sabbath. Blessed are those who remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, for they, I believe, shall be filled. Paul writes, together with, he's praying that you might have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of of God. When our bodies find rest, we feel refreshed. When our emotions find rest, our countenance is lifted. Yet relaxed muscles and minds are little worth unless our souls find rest in the acceptance of our good God. Let us pray. Thank you, O Lord, for the gift of Sabbath that you gave it to us to find rest and refreshment and delight and to remember whose we are and where we came from. 
And it also helps us to have the strength to face tomorrow. Father, as we conclude this message series, I pray that these past several weeks have been a help to us. As the busy fall season with school and activities and sports and music and church programs come back into full swing, may we remember the Sabbath. With your help, help with your help, may we keep it holy. Most importantly, may we remember that we are human beings, not human doings. That our doings will flow from our being. In the name of Christ, we pray, amen.